we move on to the sermon um, and hear what God has placed on uh, Mike's heart for us, um, we just want to take some time quickly to just turn our attention to what's happening in the world. We know that coronavirus um, is a big deal and it's starting to affect more and more and more countries and nations and even our own. So we just wanted to take two minutes to lift this um, issue up to the Lord and just call on our God. We see that in Psalms, David went through many, many, many trials and his constant, constant cry was, God have mercy. God have mercy. Just go read the Psalms. It's all over. He says, God have mercy. I will rest in your shelter. I will be under your wing. I will look to my God as refuge. And so we just want to take two minutes. I'm going to ask you guys to get into groups of three or four. If we can just take some time to pray. So there's several things we're praying for. We're obviously praying for those who are affected by the virus. So we're praying God's healing and grace on them and their families. We're praying against the spirit of fear and panic. So I think that's one of the biggest things that we are um, facing, especially in our own country right now, is really just to have peace and to have God's peace against this and not to fall under the trap of fear and anxiety and absolute panic. And then lastly, um, somebody brought this up in the pre-meeting this afternoon, and I, I really want to encourage us that we need to also, as Christians, watch what we say. Because we create the culture around us. We create what everybody knows to think and feel. That's the purpose we carry as Christians. And so we need to be careful. I know there's a lot of jokes going around. I've laughed at many of them myself. But the things we say affect our country and they affect our environment. And so when we speak positive about South Africa's health, about South Africa's ability to deal with the virus, about all these things, we are creating that reality with our words because our words have power. So I really just want to encourage you and remind you that we speak life and not death in this country and for the world. Okay, so can we just take two minutes, just get into some groups and we're just going to pray and then we'll carry on. Yes, Father, we call on your name. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the healer. And we ask, Father, that your mighty hand will come and touch this world, will come and touch your people. We just pray against the spread of this virus. We pray for healing in Jesus' name. We pray for wisdom for the healthcare workers and the policy makers that need to control this and issue alerts. I pray for peace in the hearts of the people, Father, that they will reach out to you like never before. Thank you that you are God in control, no matter what we see around us and in the media. And so, Father, we just say, we speak it out now, we declare you are God of this nation, you are the God of this world, you are in control, and we will rest in the shadow of your wings and trust in you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Mike, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, this is Mike Nowitzki. <laughs> He's a favorite here with us, a real father. We love to hear from him. Thank you for sharing with us tonight. Do you want me to pray for you? Yes, please, always. Father, we pray for Mike. Thank you that you have poured out your love over his life. Thank you that he walks a journey of love. And I pray, Father, that as he shares with us about love tonight, that we will really feel your heart come through in his heart. 
I pray that you'll place the words in his mouth, give him wisdom, and Holy Spirit, we give you free reign here to speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. Hello. Oh, hello, hello, hello. Sure. Can you, um, let's go straight to the scripture. It's the best place, isn't it? So um, come with me to Colossians chapter 3. Like one of my um, favorite preachers from, from the UK says, come with me to the book of Colossians. Um, chapter 3. All right. All right. Are y'all flipping? I see a few people flipping. The rest of y'all got the whole thing memorized, right? The whole New Testament. Colossians chapter 3. Right. It's an incredible, incredible, um, just an incredible book. Just for free. If you want to be in awe of Jesus, like just just jaw-dropping, read Colossians 1. Just Wow. Okay, but that's not what I get to preach tonight. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. We're going to look at just a few words in verse 12, and then we're going to back up. Is that okay? You ready? Here we go. Verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, somebody say chosen for me. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Somebody say dearly loved. God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. And we're going to look at some stuff tonight. We're going to look at some choices. But before we get anywhere, I really feel that we need to settle this thing, right? God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Who did Paul write this letter to? He's sitting in jail. I don't know if y'all know this. He's in jail, right? And he's in the dungeon in jail, I'm like, this is crazy. Their jail had a dungeon, y'all. And he's like in the dungeon under the jail, right? It's not the basement because it's not lacquer. There's not a, you know, there's, there's not a furnace in there. No, that's where all the stuff is running. It's just a terrible place, right? Corona is the least of his worries, you know? And he's in the dungeon in the basement in the bottom of jail in a very nasty place. I'll leave it to your imagination, And he's writing these amazing letters full of faith and love. And from jail, he's writing to, this is really important. Who's he writing to? Is he writing to um, sinners, convincing them to come to Jesus? Is that who he's writing to? All right. Is he writing to, um, is he writing to the Roman military? Is he writing to Caesar? Who's he writing to? He's writing to a church. He's writing to a group of churches in and around the city of Colossae. Or Colossa, I don't know how to say it. It was big, evidently, right? No, I don't think so, right? But y'all, some of y'all will get that next week. You'll go, ah, right? So he's writing to a group of churches in the city of Colossae. And it's, he's writing to Christians. He's writing to believers, right? And to these believers, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved... So I want to tell you before we look at all the other things, the choices that we get to make in response tonight, I, would, I want to encourage every one of us in here to settle this thing once and for all. If you've ever said to Jesus, I believe in you. If you've ever said to Jesus, I believe the whole thing. You're born of a virgin and, and lived a sinless life and you died to pay for my sins and you rose from the dead. I believe it. I believe in you, Jesus, and I want to serve you. Please be my Lord and my Savior. If you've ever said that to him, listen, you are dearly loved. 
You are chosen and dearly. And by the way, even if you haven't said that to him, you are still chosen and dearly loved. Right? Still. But the, the thing is, if the door is open and invitation, all you got to do is walk in. Right? Chosen and dearly loved. Now, how do you know I'm chosen? I don't feel chosen. Right? Ephesians 1, 4 says this. And then anyone who goes where I get to teach, I say, I, I give this verse way too much. Or maybe not enough. Because maybe sometimes some of us still don't get it. It said, God chose you in himself before the foundation of the world. So why did he choose me in himself? Because that's all it was. It was before the foundation of the world. He couldn't choose you into earth because there wasn't an earth yet. He couldn't choose you into the universe because there wasn't a universe yet. All there was was God and he chose you. He chose you. I'm going to tell you what, that's some love right there. God saw your face and said, yo, I'm going to have to make a universe because I've got to have this person. I've got to enjoy this person. Right? And he made the universe because he wanted you as God's people chosen and dearly loved. And not only did God choose you, he loves you. And not only does he love you, he loves you dearly. Chosen and dearly loved. You see, the way I grew up, my parents are amazing people. They're believers, right? But they went through stuff. My mom grew up in an abusive situation, just abusive and hectic. So she spent her life insecure and mousy and afraid, right? And now this baby's on the way and she wants to love this baby. She wants to make this baby feel special and dearly loved, but she has no frame of reference whatsoever, Right? So she gives it a go, hey? You know? My dad grew up in a hectic um, home where, where, every, where there was no affection whatsoever. Right? So he grew up and listen, man, they knew how to give. And they would spend money on one another. They would give. He never went without. But he never got hugged. He never got told, I love you. Right? So this baby's coming and he wants to do right, but he has no frame of reference. Two amazingly insecure humans who want to do the best thing. What do you think happened to that kid? Come on, how do you think he grew up? Y'all talking about me, right? Right? (laughs) Completely insecure, uncelebrated, unwanted, even though that's not what they intended at all. I'm telling you, these are wonderful people. And they've come here and maybe y'all met him. My dad got saved. You can't tell what he was like. And like... He got saved and he woke up the next day and my mom was like, now I married one man and there's another one in my bed. I'm str- I should be happy, but I'm struggling with this. Jesus changed his life incredibly, you know? So they're so amazing, but it was tough. And I grew up insecure. I grew up, how come all these other people have so much confidence? How come all these other people just fit in and they can walk into any room and they feel comfortable in their own skin and they belong and they can just make friends? And, and then they were like, hey, man, it's time to meet Jesus. And I'm like, yeah, God don't want me. Nobody wants me. Right? And, you know, you grow up in that thing and you struggle. And the funny thing is I learned all these popular people, they struggled with insecurity, too. And I had not could believe it. I was like, really? You felt bad about yourself? What? I thought it was just losers like me who felt bad about yourself. A lot of people felt that way and they felt unlovable and they struggled. So God would, man, the preacher would be saying things like, God loves you. And I'm like, I believe that. God does love everybody. You know? And since he said it, then um, 
you know, when I walk in, God's like, oh, shame. I wrote it in the book, so I have to, okay, I guess so, because I wrote it. I guess you can come in, you know, <laughs> right? Some of y'all will feel like, man, this is blasphemous. This is my journey, right? I told God one time I was praying. I said, I know I'm wrong. Please forgive me. I feel like your redheaded stepchild. I feel unwanted. And I know it's not, it's obviously not you. And he said, yeah, all that stuff is inside you. It's not coming from me. But guess what? If it's inside me and it's not coming from him, then I can do something about it, can't I? I can believe what he says and I can act on it. And you know what? There came a day in my life when I had to stop wallowing in my own self-pity and stop feeling sorry about myself and say, God, you know what? Okay, I will believe this thing. I will believe that you love me. I'll, I'll just believe it. And he began step by step to take that thing apart and out of my life, right? Because I made a choice. Listen, don't wait until you feel it. Feelings, y'all, feelings are slow, hey? They're dumb. Is it okay? Feelings ain't smart. You have a mind, a will, and emotions, right? And it's not just Christian scholars who talk about this. In the soul, you got a mind, a will, and an emotions, right? And even psychiatrists, they talk about the mind and they talk about emotions. Why do they talk about them separately? Because they're different. Emotions can't think. They're not smart, right? If I live by those things, I'm not going to live smart. I'm going to live dumb. I'm going to live flaky. So if you wait until you feel loved, then and you have a journey sort of similar to mine. You might never feel loved. It's time. And I want to ask you, I want to encourage you just from my journey. I'm trying to get all up in your face. But it's time if you, part of that journey, I don't feel loved. I don't feel lovable. I feel like God loves everybody and tolerates me. Right? If that's where you are, it's time to take a decision. Please do not wait to feel it. It's time to take a decision. And we, there might be ministry at the end, but take the decision now. God, thank you. I dare you to say it under your breath. God, thank you that you love me. Father, thank you that you love me. You love, don't say everyone. Don't say him. Right? <laughs> don't say her. Father, thank you that you love me. Father, I receive your love. Come on, somebody. Father, I receive your love. Right now, settle this thing. But I don't feel it. You feel it later. Right? Emotions are slow, but they catch up. You know? I was given a, um, my wife and I were given, one time we lived in Texas. It's getting to be a while ago. Although I sound like I just came from there, don't I? Um, we lived in Texas and we worked at a church for 12 or 13 years, 14. We worked at church for a long time. And <laughs> on 10 years, it was in a time of, you know, pretty nice. Things were going well financially in the country. And that church gave us a seven-day cruise for serving there for 10 years. Man, it was awesome because, you know, on what we were making, we couldn't pay for a one-day cruise. Anybody feel me? <laughs> you know what I mean? And they gave us a seven-day cruise. And here's what I love to think about that boat. I got to that boat, I'm like, my Lord. You know, I'm from a small town. And the, the biggest thing, this is a true story. The biggest thing in the community where I live is my dad's two-story pigeon loft. 
right? <laughs> That's this town I come from, right? It's a little bitty, it's a little place, you know? So I saw the ship and it's bigger than three Menlands lined up. Boom, boom, boom. And I was like, oh my goodness. Y'all know this huge ship is driven by a rudder that's, um, that's smaller than this wall. Three Menlands, right? And it's controlled by that little thing. And that thing's booking at 60 knots. And I'm starting to talk out of, my, out of my league, out of my depth. But that thing's going 60 knots or something. And it's heading, it's heading um, northwest. And they want to turn north. You know, that captain does. Back in the days, he turned a wheel, and now it's probably some computer gadget, right? But you turn a wheel, and it turns that rudder. And you know, that big old ship, it doesn't just go on a dime, like in a cartoon. And you got to hold that wheel tight while all the inertia of that massive ship keeps pushing in the same direction. And it can take a mile or more until that thing is turned. Are you all with me? So that rudder is your mind and your will. And the big old ship is your emotions. They're not very smart. And they got a lot of drive. But they eventually come in line. So if you don't feel loved. If you don't feel accepted. Yeah. Thank you Jesus. Obey the Lord. Say Lord I thank you that you love me. You have feelings. God loves me. And hold on. Hold on through the inertia. Hold on through the storm. Eventually the boat is going to line up. Right? So is it settled? God loves you. God cherishes you. He cherishes you. Ephesians 1, God is, God, Paul is praying this Holy Spirit inspired prayer for you, for the saints, for you. And he says, I pray that you would know the riches of the depths of God's love and the riches of his inheritance in the saints. The riches of his inheritance in the saints. Y'all know what an inheritance is? It's what makes you rich. Right? Come on. Inheritance is good. Inheritance makes you rich. It's something, somebody, an an auntie or a grandparent or somebody outside of you, right, has left something for you and it makes you rich. Right? And there's nobody bigger than God, but God says there's something that makes me rich. There's something that makes me feel rich. And man, your ears perk up. God you own the cattle on a thousand hills. You like made like the universe and stuff. Like there's precious metals that we probably don't know exist. And it's all yours. Like out there in space somewhere, you know, some asteroid floating around. There's, I can't fathom anybody as rich as you. There's something that makes you feel rich. And God says, yes, you, you make me feel rich. I treasure you. Right? So can we settle that? So how now do we respond because not only does God love you dearly, but he chose you. He chose me before I ever get anything right or wrong. What? You know, when I got a job at a, at a pump company doing IT, and they put me on 90-day probation. And I'm like, y'all, what's up? Look at my resume, man. I'm, I'm not a high risk. And they're like, 90-day probation. You know, they weren't going to choose me until they saw the goods. Y'all with me? In the business world, that's probably smart. God is not a businessman. He is a father. And he chose you before he saw the goods. He chose you before you made a mistake. He chose you before there was a universe that existed for you to make a mistake in. 
Isn't that amazing? Chosen and dearly loved. So as we carry on through this, God made a choice and it was you. So now we're going to make a choice tonight in response. We're going to make a choice. Or I'm going to give the invitation to make a choice. And that, that choice is here in Colossians 3. But the reason we are able to make that choice, remember and make no mistake and never doubt it again, is because you are chosen and holy and dearly loved. Amen? So now go with me to verse 1 of Colossians chapter 3. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your affections, your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Y'all, there's some deep theology in there. It's really fun stuff. I love this stuff, but I don't have time to give a theology class. Right. But this bit, Paul is writing to people who have said to the Lord, I believe that you died and rose again to pay for my sins. And I want you to be my Lord and my savior. Right. He's uh, this thing is true of of those of those folks, of those of us who are born again. He said, since you are raised with Christ. Right. So y'all know Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ, yet I live. But it's not me. It's Christ living in me. And the life I now live in this body, I live by his faith, the one who loved me and gave his life for me. Y'all know Romans 6. Right. Romans 6 talks about when when I gave my life to Christ, what happened? I died with him. And then I was buried with him. I didn't know that. I just prayed a prayer and went home. No, this happened in the spirit. I died with him and then I was buried with him and then I raised with him. And that's why we have baptism. Did y'all go to baptism today? Baptism's a vibe, man. It's a testimony. You go into the water and you're saying, y'all, I died with Christ. And then the good news is Christ rose from the dead. That means we get to come out the water. Isn't that the good part? Right? I rose with him when Jesus had all my sin and he went into the, into the grave. And then he went into hell and beat up the devil. It was really cool. Right? And all the demons and all the planets made fun of the devil because how bad Jesus beat him. I love that. Right? That verse doesn't get enough attention. You know? And then he rose from the dead. But was my sin with him? Did he have any sin on him when he rose from the dead? No. Where did sin go? It must be in hell or in the grave or something. He left it behind, right? But now the Bible teaches that I was buried with him and I was raised with him. So Jesus raised sinless, so was I. All that sin, my own sin that I did and everybody that sinned against me, it's all in hell somewhere. And I'm free, right? And then he, then he ascended to the Father. And y'all, we were in that too. Ephesians 2, 6, that God has raised you up and seated with him in Christ in heavenly places. Hey, that's good, right? So Paul's talking about that here. Those of you, since you're raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, right? See, Paul is saying it doesn't make sense if we're now heavenly beings, right? If we're now a new creation. That we're seated in heaven places. It makes no sense whatsoever for our affection to be set on earthly things. It doesn't make sense. That's Paul's point here. It makes no sense whatsoever. So how do I love God well? I set my affections, my emotions, my heart, my passion on him. I set my mind. The next verse says, set your mind 
on things above, not on earthly things. Philippians 4.8 says this, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. And by the way, that's a great trick if you find yourself wallowing in this or wallowing in that or struggling with these negative emotions or down in the dumps. It's just a great trick to bring your soul into a right place, right? Uh, my, my, my pastor back in Texas says this. He says it like this. Y'all, some of y'all need to get rid of your stinking thinking, right? I'm thinking, how come nobody likes me at work? Does that fit in here? Let's see here. Philippians, okay, is it true? Is it noble? Is it right? Is it pure? It's not in there. Stop thinking about that. Think on the stuff. Think on the good stuff. Think on, man, God loved me. God chose me. What? Wow. Think on something excellent. Think on something praiseworthy. It's amazing what doing what God's word says does for our souls. It's amazing how it works, right? Norman Vincent Peale wrote a book, which I never read. And I don't know if it's dodgy. I don't know anything about it. He said, the power of positive thinking. And I've, and I've heard that he takes argument too far. But do you know what? He's tapping into something that God told us a long time ago. Of course, think positive, right? Think on God's things. Think on good things, right? But the thing here, it says, set your affections. Set your heart. Set your mind. Set. This is about choices. Right? When you get a brand new phone or a brand new computer, what's the first thing y'all do? Y'all open it up and you open the settings app and you set it to dark mode. Right? Because y'all like, who know why? They should just ship in dark mode, right? Come on. Like, what is this, 1990? What's all this bright light up in my face? Right? You make a choice. You choose. It's called options comes from the word opt, which means to choose, right? You make settings. So Paul is saying here, there's some settings. You need to open up the settings app in your heart and the settings app in your mind. And you need to just set your preferences on things above and not on things below. This is a, y'all, we have a choice. We don't have to keep wallowing in our negativity. We don't have to wallow in depression. We don't have to wallow in all these earthly things, worry and fear and coronavirus, this and the rand, that and all. We don't have to, to live there man. I set my affections on things above. I'm going to tell you one day the rand will pass away and it won't be because of the president. It's because Jesus is coming, going to establish a new heaven. We won't need a rand or a dollar or a zim dollar. We won't need any of that stuff. Even the pound sterling will pass away. Right? Apologies to my friends in the UK. It's not going to last. I'm not setting my affections there. Not only, say, set my affections. That means not only, my, it doesn't just mean I'm not going to fall in love with those things. Oh, oh, the pound sterling. What? It also means I'm not going to let that stuff worry me. If you're worried about that stuff, that's where your affections are. Right? Thank God for the rand. Thank God I get to live in this country. But I'm going to let that stuff worry me. I'm setting my affections higher. Right? There's a God who's outliving the rand. And that means I'm going to outlive the rand. I'm going to tell you something true. You ready? You're going to outlive every one of your problems. It's true. Every one of them. You're going to outlive it. Right? So my granddaddy... My granddaddy, and this is not a great and funny story. My dad, granddaddy died of bladder cancer, right? It was awful watching him suffer, but he outlived bladder cancer, y'all. Because you see, we're not our bodies. 
You're, man, God is spirit, and he made you in his image. So guess what you are? You're spirit. You can outlive every one of your problems. Even if one kills your body, you still outlive it. We're going to outlive every economic crisis. We're going to outlive coronavirus. We're going to outlive everything, right? And I put my affections, and I put my mind up there. And I love that song that we sing about, um, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here, um, let us become more aware of your presence. Um, I want to be overcome by your presence, Lord. And, and it gets me every time. God, forgive me for being overcome by some economic thing. God, forgive me for being overcome by worrying about what will happen to, to my child or to this or that. God, forgive me for being overcome by any of this little dinky stuff on the world that pales in comparison to your greatness and your love that I'm going to outlive and outlost anyway. Are y'all with me? Right? Set our affections on things above. So what captures my attention? Where do my passions lie? What am I thinking about? Right? So in the same way, as we're talking about attention and dwelling on things, I also want to point out something that Neil pointed out to us this morning. Not only is it about my attention, my passion, my affection, but it's about a standard. Okay? If I'm in Christ, and now I'm a new creation... So in the heavens, not just stuck on earth, right? If I'm in Christ and I look to the world for a standard on how to live or how to love or how to make daily choices, that don't make no sense, does it? Right? That's not authentic. That's not authentic at all. Why is a believer, why is a new creation going to check with the old system of the world for their values? It makes no sense whatsoever. John 13, 34, Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. So my standard for loving one another is not going to be found on the radio or on any kind of screen or any sort of pop culture anywhere of any kind. That's not where it's found. The standard is much higher than that. Isaiah 55, God says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And I say I love God. Then I better check with him for his standards on how to love him and how to love his people. Right? I shouldn't be getting those standards from Netflix. I pay my Netflix subscription. I enjoy it. But I do not check there for my standards. When it's way too low, eh? Mm Mm-mm. No, I don't check for Hollywood or Bollywood or any of these other woods. Then I'm above the woods. I'm in heaven, hey? All right. Colossians 3, verse 5 through 11. It's fitting to get dark. Put to death. You put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Y'all, he's writing to Christians, okay? But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Since you, how he write, he got to tell Christians not to lie. Surely that doesn't happen in our community, right? Do not lie to each other. Y'all still love me? Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. Listen, you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge of the image of its creator. 
Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, American, Democrat, Republican, none of that nonsense. But in Christ, but Christ is all and is in all. Man, on the earth, we got so many silly ways to classify and divide and segregate. And Paul says, none of that rubbish exists in the kingdom of God. Right? Here it is. It's Christ. And here's what's cool. Right? It doesn't divide us, but we still have our diversity. Because when I look in Revelations, right? Before the throne, and every tribe and every tongue is worshiping him. Hey. Hey, so I can celebrate and I can learn from your, your identity and, and, and you can learn from mine, but it does not divide us. Hey, no, no, it's just Christ. It's just Christ. Isn't that amazing? And y'all, that's why I love singing in every language but English. And I grew up speaking Texan, which is a derivative of English. <laughs> But I love it. I love singing. And do you know why I love it? I mean, it's not in the notes, but it's just one of my things. In heaven right now, how many languages have there been? It's hundreds of thousands? You know, a bunch of them dead? You know, hundreds of thousands of languages in the history of humankind. And all of them, all at once, worshiping Jesus right now. Right now. Man, it's not a future thing. It's happening now, y'all. And I'm like, I am not waiting until I get to heaven. I want to hear me some of that right now. Well, we got 11 languages in the house. Right now, let's do this thing. I love it, but that's for free. Love to worship Jesus, right? So Paul is saying, as we get back to the point, since you're in heaven and you belong to Christ and you're in Christ, take off this nonsense from the ways you used to live, right? So I don't know a whole lot about fashion, but isn't it true that you're not supposed to wear plaid and pinstripes in the same outfit? Is that, isn't that a thing? I'm going to talk. I'm out of my depth. and I'm getting some looks like, right? But there's some kind of fashion thing. There's some stuff you're not supposed to do, right? right? Black trousers and a navy blue jacket or something. There's some stuff you're not supposed to do, um, right? But you know, there's, there's an offense worse than that. And that is when someone who's in Christ puts on stuff from the world. It just don't match. It's something's off, something, something's strange. It, it doesn't work, right? So I cannot love God well since he is heavenly if I'm still choosing the things of the earth, right? Neil said it like this this morning, my life must be oriented from God's perspective and not from the earth's. As high as the heavens are above the earth, hey? So the earth perspective that I used to walk in before I met Jesus, for me it was 1987. And I know that that feels like a long time ago for y'all, but it's all right. But when was it for you, right? This perspective that we all grew up in, listen, the values are different. And the reference point is different and the standard is different, right? We all know the values that we grew up in in the world. Um, the reference point is self, Right. My children love to make fun of Disney movies because the, the message is always the same. Right. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. <sighs> what a tiny existence. Believe in yourself. You know, and listen, make no mistake. There is a there is a point where we go. God, thank you for choosing me. But I want my self-esteem to come from something greater than me. 
I believe in the creator of the heavens and the earth who chose me and created the whole universe just so he could enjoy me and you. I like that better because my frame of reference is now bigger than just me. But the world system, the whole reference point is self. Take care of yourself. Believe in yourself. Self-actualization. Self-esteem. And the standard is the world. Right? We check with the world. We check with what's around us. We check with what's, with what's popular, with what's in. And Paul says, you used to walk in these ways, but that ain't who you are now. Now you're part of something far bigger. Unimaginably bigger and greater than just believing in one human or just checking with just one tiny little earthly society for values. Now you're part of something much bigger. So why would we check for references from this world that God, that Jesus came and died again to set us free from? Why would we do that? Y'all still love me? Y'all okay? (laughs) Right? This morning, Neil pointed out a really important counterfeit that I just want to mention to us. And the counterfeit is this tolerance. Okay? Now, bear with me. Um, Tolerance is good. Right? But But not in the wrong way. So the world is equating love with tolerance. That's a lie. Love is not tolerance. Right? Stick with me. Here's the example he gave. I love it. If my baby girl wants to go play in traffic, it's not loving if I tolerate that. Can we be real? It's not loving because she's going to get hurt. It's not loving to tolerate that. She's going to get hurt or worse or maimed or damaged. It's ridiculous. But we want to be told that tolerance is love. How tolerant is God? God is love. 1 John 4, 8. Love and tolerance are not the same thing. And we're being shoved this message in our faces by the world. Guys, don't fall for it. Love and tolerance are not the same thing. We can love one another and we can celebrate one another without tolerating the things that will destroy one another. Right? Don't play with sin. Paul said it up here. Put to death. Man, Jesus, hey, he must be serious about this. Put to death. He didn't say put it in time out. <laughs> put it to death. Put to death sexual immorality. Put to death lying. Put to death idolatry and greed. Put that stuff to death. Yo, he's serious about it. Right? It's not, it's not, um, it's not unloving to tell people, hey, man, You need to get out of that quick. That's going to kill you. That's not unloving. Oh, you're judging me. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm telling you, that thing thing going to end you. Right? That's not intolerant. That's loving. Now, now unloving would be rejecting the entire human because of a choice. Do you all see the difference? I can tolerate you without tolerating your nonsense. And I hope you would do the same for me. I hope you would love me the same way. Right? We need to get, we need to, y'all, the, the things in the, of, the, of the earth are counterfeit and they're impotent. We need to get the goods from heaven. We're not going to change the world with this mamby-pamby, mealy-mouthed nonsense from the earth. We're not going to get, we're not going to make a difference at all. Right? There was a, um, 
<laughs> I, I asked a question this way about tolerance, just being silly, but um, would you let your friend wear a mullet? <laughs> dude, dude, really? Do you need to cut that stuff off at the back? Do you just, nope, nope. Why? I like it. It's me. No, it ain't. It ain't you. And you're going to be, you're going to be single till you're 80 unless you cut that thing. <laughs> right? That's loving. Right? Um, we used to have an advert in Texas back in the day. And that advert said, friends don't let friends drink and drive. Now, doesn't that sound intolerant? So the message is we're not going to tolerate driving drunk. But isn't that a good thing? Right? It's not tolerant at all, but it's very loving. Nobody can argue that that's a loving thing. Friends don't let friends drink and drive. So you know what? Friends don't let friends wear mullets. Right? Or let me say it like this. Friends don't let friends behave as if they're not in Christ. Okay? Let's hold one another accountable, y'all. Right? Oh, man, you know, my mate, you know, they're, they're doing this thing, and I know it's not great, but, you know, it's none of my business, right? Take a risk. Take a risk. Say, hey, man, I don't, I don't want to hurt your feelings or anything, but I'm concerned for your soul because this thing right here will kill you. The Bible says so, right? What if we love one another enough to hold one another accountable, Right? You know, and, it, and I tell you what, if that's your friend, he'll thank you or she'll thank you. Right. It's time. It's time to hold one another accountable in the church. We tolerate sin too much. But then we think this. We, oh, yeah, we need to stop tolerating that sin. And we think now we need to turn on one another and yell at each other and judge one another and break all relationships. No, you go in love to somebody and you say, can I walk with you out of this thing? Can we make a plan together? Right? Do y'all see the difference? What if we had the courage to walk with one another until we're making choices that align with who we really are? Because it destroys our witness before the world. If we talk as if we belong from here, but all of our actions smell like here. Are y'all with me? What if we held one another accountable? But let's move on because the next passage is the best part. Colossians 3, verse 12 through 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one and bear with, well, I can't speak tonight. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. So put on our new life in Christ because that matches who you are, right? It doesn't make sense to put on the old stuff. That's not who we are. This is the point. It's not about what to avoid. It's about what you pursue. Can I say that again? It's not about what you avoid. It's about what you pursue. I took driver's education before most of you were born. And uh, we learned on a 1986 Ford Taurus, Right. And we did a few lessons in the daytime, but then it was the all important night driving lesson. Right. And we got in and it was, God help us. It was the football coach teaching us to drive, you know, and he said, now, I need deep accent. Y'all think my drawl is bad. 
right? We got in the car and he wasn't in the driver's seat. And he said, now, before you turn that ignition, I'm going to tell you something. Listen up. When you get on that there highway, you better look ahead of you. I'm, I'm not exaggerating his accent at all. <laughs> he said, because you're going to see them headlights coming towards you in the other lane. And the, and, and the way we work is we go where we're looking. So don't look at the headlights unless you'd like to hit them and kill all of us. Look ahead. And I'll never forget that. I was like, okay. So man, fear. I was the first one to drive. And I'm like, holy fear gripping me. Don't look at the headlights. Don't look at the headlights. You know, right? And here's the thing. Don't look at the headlights. Don't look at the headlights. What am I thinking about? The headlights. Look ahead. Don't, don't look at, don't think about or worry about where you don't want to go. Think about where you want to go. Right? My friend Graham Cato, who was an incredible minister in this house for so long before he moved to be with his grandbabies in the States, um, he said, if I want to go to the Cape and I tell my wife, Marie, I tell her, hey, let's go to the Cape. Here's what we're going to, uh, no, hey, let's go somewhere special. And he doesn't tell her where. Here's what I want you to do. Get in the car and just make sure you don't go to Durban. How likely is it that we get to the Cape? Nope. <laughs> I mean, it is like a one in a million shot. All you know is where not to go. So I, further, I look for a sign that says Durban and I try to go another way. And then as soon as I don't see any more signs that say Durban, I don't know what I'm doing. Right? I'm lost. Right? It's not about what to avoid. Put off the old stuff. Right? So the, the passage before says put off the old stuff. So if I see old stuff, get rid of it. Put it to death. But you don't stay there. Now you're empty. Now it's time for the goods. Put on, pursue this. I want to show you with one more picture. Can you show my picture? We're going to play a game. It's called the chicken game. Right? How many of y'all won? (laughs) Because you've seen it before. Right? Okay. Thank you, Sam. (laughs) Right? Put on, put on the new stuff. What is the new stuff? Right? Right? What are the values? The values aren't my values. The values are God's values. How many of y'all know those are better? Right? What is the standard? The standard is God's ways, not the world. And what is the reference? What is the reference point? Is it self? No, the reference point is God and others. What is agape love? What is love anyway? Love is wanting what's best for the other. Do you see the reference point? It's not I love. It's not about how I couldn't believe a few years ago I was listening to Jacaranda. I kind of enjoy it. But every other song was you make me feel. You make me feel. How you make me feel. How you make me feel. How you make me feel. I thought how incredibly shallow. All these love songs, their own self is their reference point. Right? Love is wanting what's best for the other. Right? So, and love acts. Love doesn't sit still. Love does a lot more than feel. Y'all, love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. Right? Here's the example. John 15, 13. Greater love nobody has than this, that you lay down your life for your friend. Y'all, that's active. That brother doing something. He will lay down his life. Right? Man, that's a lot better than a cute song and a serenade and a candlelight dinner. And he getting after it. You lay down your life for your friends. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. Love acts. Love is. So we're talking tonight about love in action. That was the title. Love in action. How do we love God well? How, and I'm getting, I'm drawing to a close now. How do we love God well? 
How, how do we do it from this passage? First is we remember who we are. We're his. We're seated in heavenly places. So therefore, we set our affections, our hearts, and our minds on Christ. And then how do we love God? Well, we don't choose our former ways. We choose the new ways that we learn from Jesus, the compassion and the kindness and all of these things, right? We actively choose to show compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Uh, we, we make space for one another. We bear with our idiosyncrasies, not idiot secrecies, idiosyncrasies. Right? We don't, we don't make fun of one another. We give space. If someone has a habit that's annoying to my preferences, I can put that aside and still celebrate who you are. Bear with one another. Right? Because I'm no longer my own reference point. I got, I got my big boy pants on. I'm in Christ now. I can handle if something doesn't meet my preferences. Right? It's serious now. Right? <laughs> Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Oh, I wish I had time to talk about this. But here's the deal. Jesus paid it all. And because he paid it all, you can cancel the debt that someone owes you. Because could they pay it back, really? Come on. Could they pay it back? No. So you look at the cross. You say, thank you, Jesus. You have paid for that sin. And I release that person from debt. Be free. Y'all be free. Right? Love binds them all together in perfect unity is what it says in verse 14. Listen, it's all about love. So here's the truth. As much as I wish I could, I can't put up with any of you for very long if I don't love you authentically. Love binds us together in perfect unity. If I just try to be compassionate because I are supposed to be compassionate, it ain't going to last. It's got to come from, from authentic love. See, eventually my selfish preferences will start to leak. Right? Eventually I'll say some hurtful remark about somebody's fashion choices. About your hair. Right. I posted a joke about man buns on Facebook and I'm thinking, man, I bet I hurt a lot of people's feelings, you know. So. Right. So. You, but it was just a joke. It was just a joke. I thought y'all would laugh. So please forgive me. Hey, the Bible said forgive is Christ anyway. Right. So. But if I don't love authentically and I'm trying to do this stuff without really loving authentically, I, I, I'll end up in your car and I'll say something like, you know, I'd rather be beat over the head with a lead pipe than listen to one more of your country and Western music. You're driving me mad, right? That's an ugly thing to say, right? But I did that to a friend of mine because I was being full of myself and my preferences, right? And then he had to forgive me after he sorted me out, right? It's not authentic unless the motivation is love. So when I'm motivated by the love of God, then then it can be authentic. So now we're back full circle. This thing here, it's a virtue list. There's several in the New Testament, right? But it's not a code of ethics or a list of rules. It's this. It's the outflowing attitude of those who are internally motivated by the love of God. Compassion, kindness, gentleness, forgiving one another, bearing with one another. It is the outflowing attitude of those who are internally motivated by the love of God. You're like, I don't know if I can love like that. Guess what? You are empowered to love like that because you have been loved perfectly by your Father in heaven. Right? And if you don't feel it yet, hold on to that wheel. I'm loved. And because I'm loved, I can love. And as you show that love, that's one of the things that's going to propel your boat in the right direction. Right? I want to take a minute to illustrate this, but only a minute because it's 730. Mommy Ella, can you come? 
ein Ja. Can I trouble two fellows to get rid of this podium? Donkey, donkey, donkey. All right. So here we have, according to Nemi, a young man. Okay. Right there is fine. Thank you. Come over here by me. Here we have a picture of, this is just a silly illustration, y'all. But here we have a picture of a young man, a good guy, but before he's met Christ. And he's fit into the world pretty well. He shares his values and its behaviors. He's just, you know, just a good guy doing his thing. But then he hears about Jesus. And he realizes that he's alienated from God. And he sees the comparison between his values and Christ. And he's like, yo, this isn't good. And so he repents. He throws off the old ways. He says, God, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Okay. And as he prays a prayer of repentance, can you just walk? God puts him in Christ. So go behind the table. Behind the table. God puts him in Christ. And now that he is in Christ, I know y'all know what's going to happen, but just pretend. (laughs) All right? You can come on. Now that he is in Christ, he's a new man. All right? I tried to get a new change, a quick change artist, but none of them were available. (laughs) I'm just kidding. He's a new man. I got to find my place now. All right? So now he's died with Christ. He's living a new life. He's seated in heavenly places. He's holy and set apart and dearly loved by God, right? And now he's got a choice to make. Because here's the thing. That old jacket is still available. It's still there. The interesting thing about our salvation is we still have a free will. We still, as born-again followers of Jesus, have the ability to choose our old ways. Colossians 3, y'all, is written to Christians. Stop it with the sexual immorality. Stop lying to one another. Stop it. Because that's the ways you used to walk in. Knock it off. Because you're settling for this nonsense when you've got the goods available for you from heaven. So tragedy is that a lot of times us new believers, we put down the new stuff that's available to us. And we pick up our old ways. God help us. And we put it on, right? Just bear with me, right? We put that thing on and we're like, yo, this is so familiar. It's so comfortable because I spent a lot of years in this van. It's natural even. Of course, you ain't a natural being anymore. You're a supernatural being, but we're going to live natural. These old ways come pretty easy. I practiced them for years. I don't need anyone to teach me to be selfish. I don't need any help yelling at taxi drivers on the road. I don't need any help judging somebody instead of having mercy. No one has to train me to hoard things for myself while people suffer. All that comes natural. I did it for years before I met Jesus. Right? I don't, I don't need to. I don't, it's not some great temptation. I don't need to read a book to learn how to move in with somebody before I marry him. It's all over Netflix. It's in all the movies. That's what everybody does, ain't it? It's not what followers of Jesus do. Right? But this old jacket, man, is comfortable. It's how, it's how I grew up. Right? Before long, we find ourselves, we still belong to Jesus, but our hearts have wandered. Our old ways have distracted our hearts and our affections from our first love. And our minds are preoccupied with the concerns of this world, man. I'm worried about the rand. 
And man, if that guy fires one more finance minister, I swear. Hey, hey, and now the corona, man, it's coming. Hey, and I'm so worried about, and, I've, and I'm preoccupied and my mind is distracted. And I've wandered from God. Maybe a fraction of a degree. Or maybe far, far from God. And then I decide, you know what? These old ways, they're comfortable. But I think I want God more. I remember when I met Jesus. And so I make a choice. Like Colossians 3. I put off my old ways. Because it's not who I am anymore. Right? And then I put on... My new ways. I repent. I come to God. I say, God, your ways are higher than mine. Your standards are the only standard for me. Is it possible that I could live according to your standards instead of mine? And God says, yes, my boy. Yes, my girl. Yes, it is. And these new clothes, sometimes they require some breaking in. I've got to learn to get comfortable. I'm not used to this. I've got to learn to get comfortable. But then that journey is worth it, y'all. It's worth it. Clothe yourselves in God's ways. Embrace them and let them embrace you. And learn to move around in God's ways. It may take a while, but eventually they'll become much more comfortable than this dirty old jacket. Y'all see it? Thanks, man. Uh, Can the worship team come? So just in a, and can this thing go away? Obrigado. In just a few minutes, the altar will probably fill with a bunch of young adults who are worshiping their guts out to Jesus, right? They're, man, we're going to worship Jesus. We're going to declare his greatness. We're going to love him. We're going to praise him. But you know who else is going to be in the altar is a prayer team. And I want to give you four questions um, just quick. And as people come up here to worship Jesus, maybe you want to come up here to worship Jesus after you quickly pray with somebody. And here's the question. Number one, are you even in Christ? Because I come to church. Well, I can go sit in a garage, but it won't make me a car. You got to give your heart to Jesus on purpose. Have you ever done that? Right? Next question. Have you put on the old self again? Are you wearing that old jacket because it's comfortable? Do you have something that you want to repent for? Right? Maybe you want to make an altar all by yourself. Maybe you want to come to someone and pray. But won't you come? Just now, y'all don't have to wait. Y'all can start playing. Right? Um, Next question, do you feel unqualified or inadequate to love God or love others? Maybe you just want to come and pray through this thing. Get on your knees and say, God, I receive your love. Or get with a prayer partner and let them pray with you for the love of God. And open your heart wide. Or maybe you want to say, you know what? I've been so worried about not sending. I didn't realize I have all these good stuff that I can do. God, I want to come up here to this altar and say, Lord, I want to put on my new clothes. Tell me what this compassion thing is like, God. What is this about? Show me what kindness is like. Lord, show me how I can, show me how I can forgive other people. Lord, help me to put on my new jacket. Maybe you want to come and respond to the Lord in that way. But whatever it is, won't you come?